Now, Jack, referendums. Referendums, Colin. Yes, uh, the final wording out today. What's the political reaction being so far? Consensus or contention? Well, if you look at the votes, it's near consensus. I, I think there wasn't even a vote in the Shannon this evening, right? Because there was fewer than, than five senators who would, yeah. would oppose it. Am I correct on that? Yeah. So, I mean, in terms of there being an expression of a kind of groundswell of political uh, opposition to the wording, uh, you know, there's no vote-based evidence of that. But when you look at how the debate, I think, is evolving over the last little while, you can see, obviously, aided by some of the kind of high-profile opponents uh, within the Shannon, Michael McDougall and others, you can see a kind of uh, core group of talking points emerging on the no side. Um, and I think that you'll see in the next little while as this phase, this kind of legislative phase ends and we get into the, the referendum campaign proper, I think you'll see those being taken up and used uh, more frequently. And I think that that will go hand in glove with another dynamic where the the, the wording is kind of beloved by nobody apart from the government that proposes it. And I include, you know, the kind of liberal progressive side on that. Uh, the opposition, including the opposition on the, on the left, have been... In, uh, all they will all and they are in the process all of lining out for a yes yes but they've spent the last few weeks kind of tearing the wording to shreds you know so if you're a voter and you're looking at the political system you're kind of you might be wondering what what's the signal I should extract from this you know you have a load of people saying this is deficient doesn't go far enough or perhaps might open the door to unintended consequences and then a certain subdivision of that of that set of uh, opposition politicians now saying but of course vote yes yes notwithstanding everything we've just said about the about the wording but the big risk now is this is a kind of a phony war. The government could see critical mass behind its support, its uh, its motions at at the Arachthus level mm. and the ultimate wording. But once the referendum campaign gets into full swing and the broadcast obligations come into play, notwithstanding the fact that they are small in number in the Arachthus, the voices of those opposed to this will become amplified by the necessity to give people equal airtime. Yeah, which is, of course, right and proper in any referendum campaign. You know, there should be equal airtime for both uh, for both camps. Um, but I suppose the, the, the risk for the government is that those no talking points get entrenched and they go uh, hand in hand with some of the old reliables of referendum campaign that we're all too familiar with. Um, you know, you can list off various referendums that governments down the year down the years have proposed. Judges pay, Shannad. Uh, you know, you can you can cycle through them. <clears throat> and when something doesn't really kind of capture the public imagination, and if civil society groups, which is another issue that the the yes side faces, that civil society groups have not been really full throated in their embrace of this wording, uh, they don't like the extent. Of, of the care uh, stuff they feel should have gone further so you can kind of see how there, there's various headwinds around this um, and I haven't seen any I think I think the Mail may have had polling on this which showed a relatively strong support for yes but we haven't seen any kind of consistent set of polling on it so I'll withhold right. judgement until I have some numbers to base it on but I wouldn't be surprised if this on the face of it, looked like a bit of a gimme for the government, you know, remove what to many people is archaic language from the constitution, um, you know, give yourself an electoral win as you get closer towards that kind of, you know, the, the main part of the electoral cycle heading towards a general election. But they could find themselves on a stickier wicket than they first imagined. Of course, the, the, the opposition, the, the most contentious debate of any potential referendum is, of course, the patent court. But we won't get into that tonight. Maybe that's maybe that's the, for another full, day. Full episode, I think. Yes, indeed. Uh, Mary Siri Kearney, the... The lessons that were learned from European uh, referendums as proposed by the government was that they didn't get it right the first time round because there was insufficient civil society report, uh, support. 
the issues on which the referendums were supposed to have been held were not clear in the beginning or the referendum ended up being about other things. Now, what's to stop that happening this time? Because there is only six weeks. Is the government running the risk of repeating the mistakes it made in previous European referendums? Whatever one might think of the outcomes of those referendums, could we be looking at the same again this time round? I I think that... First of all, I suppose we, we have two referendums. Uh, it will be very clear, or I need to be very clear, what each one is about. You know, so the fact is, at the moment, a family, as defined by the Constitution, is only a family granted on marriage. So those lone parents, you know, uh, families that aren't cohabitees, none of those have the constitutional protection of the state. And I suppose I, I have been in the High Court. I have observed a case, uh, the case of the Egan case in a surrogacy situation where counsel for the state has advanced the fact that this is not a constitutional family. And when you sit there and realise that your family is not something that the constitution protects and advances your right to privacy, there, there, therein lies the very serious argument that we need to change the constitution. It's, so it's, I think it's, that once... It's the, the changing it to what that's the issue, isn't it? Because at the moment, uh, family based on marriage, the protection that's currently afforded to that would be extended to people in a durable relationship. And at the starting gun being fired now, the questions are being raised about what constitutes a durable relationship. And the minister wasn't exactly definitive on what a durable relationship was. He said that's something the courts will decide further down the line. And that's become the opening shots in, in this debate, isn't it? Yeah, in the in the Shannon now, he didn't use that terminology at all. He didn't say it was going to be open to the courts. But what we, if we look to the signposts, the Child and Family Relations Act has uh, definitions for cohabitees of how long you must be living together uh, to become the guardian of, the, of a child, uh, that of one of the partners uh, in that relationship. Uh, so the, I think there are some signposts that would, that would give an indication that a jury relationship is something that is uh, intended to be that longer lasting. Sure, but could there be an issue that, you know, the, the referendum will be passed this year and previous case law that was based on a, on a previous iteration of the Constitution would be as good as set at naught and that precedent would then be built on the Constitution as it exists after the referendum? Well, I suppose that is always the case when you have a referendum that you you are, as the constitution changes and extends rights, um, as it has done in marriage equality, previous previous case law that would have denied that uh, becomes moot. Uh, and now we need to move on and we need to evolve into a situation where um, where the, the new constitutional provisions are applied. But there, there have been instances, you know, in the past where couples need to go in and need to argue for a right of privacy, a right of decision making and they are denied that if they're not married so we need we need the referendum for that purpose and um, the family carers Ireland came out last week in support of the uh, of the second referendum which is this removal of the archaic language and the uh, the the putting in of the provision of care and it is provision of care as in both the recipient and the giver of care okay. uh, and, the, and the government ad- advancing that and supporting that. Okay, Verona Murphy, at this stage in the debate and although it's going to be a short debate, it, it, it's, uh, it's relatively early days. And have you made up your mind as to what way you would vote or you would encourage people to vote in this upcoming referendum? 
personally, no, because I'm still in the throes of I've met a lot of women, uh, met family carers, women who are attached to family carers as, as recently as this morning. And I think whilst Family Carers Ireland have come out in support of the referendum, I'm beginning to see that that wasn't something that was sanctioned by their members. And I've spoken to a lot of their members who don't believe the referendum will do anything for them because it's literally the wording is being changed and the last sentence is we will strive to support. Well, we, we, but, I mean, you, you, sorry, are you definitively saying you know it to be the fact that Family Carers Ireland did not consult their members or you have spoken to no, some, spoken, di- to spoken some to dissenting a, members? Quite quite a quite lot a of members who said they weren't asked. We, we do have to, I suppose, accept at face value that the organisation's position is as stated publicly. Well, I did speak to family carers themselves. Now, that was in relation to their advocacy for a yes vote, but I didn't ask them at that time sure. if they'd put it because I assumed they did. I think what family carers want to see, regardless of referendum, they want the abolition of the carer's allowance being means tested. And I think they feel that that would be far more meaningful. And it's something that I, as part of the regional group, uh, advocated for in the last budget. It wasn't sanctioned, it wasn't granted. But there is something very contradictory about the wording and the lauding of carers now as a proposal for a constitutional amendment and actually means testing some okay. cohort of society who saves this, the the exchequer twenty billion a year. But that I mean that that's a legislative decision that could be made at the next budget to to, to abolish the means test. The, but I, the, the, but con, I, the constitutional issue you feel what it, the it, it doesn't are, go it doesn't go far well, what enough. What the carers are asking is what does it do for them? Okay. It did nothing for women being recognised in the Constitution. They don't feel it's going to do anything for them. And I think that's part of the confusion with both of the articles they want to remove. Nobody understands what it's going to give them, what it's going to take from them. For instance, the gay marriage referendum. We knew that gay couples could then be married. Uh, we don't. People are confused about this. As, to what As the I said, is. I haven't made up my mind, but 90% of the women I have spoken to are happy with the current existing article. 10% want it changed, but have been quite vague about their reasoning. Okay. Now, this All is right. a certain, uh, you know, in rural. Ireland. That is what okay, I'm finding. Right. Uh, Annie Hoey, uh, sell it to Verona Murphy there. What's the <laughs> tangible benefit of changing this? Well, I mean, I think government are the ones who need to be selling what the tangible benefit is. If but nothing else, and like I'm, I would have rather preferred a much stronger wording on this. I have a lot of personal, uh, my own experience with caring and, and have done a lot of work with carers. Um, we would like to have seen care both within and outside the home to be enshrined into the constitution. That's what the Citizens Assembly wanted. That's what the Joint Directors Committee on Gender Equality recommended. But I also don't think that we should, in a modern constitution, have a line that a woman's place is in the home. Well, you know, it's, it's, if it's, nothing, it, that should be gone. Sure, okay. But it, I suppose in, in, in the in the interests of, of being strictly accurate about it, there's recognition given to uh, the woman's duties in the home as opposed to saying a woman's place is in the home. Now, the, the distinction may be... Uh, in, in, in the minds of some academic, but they, I suppose the constitution does not explicitly say a woman's place is in the home. Well, our duties apparently are still in the home, even though it seems to have no meaningful... Do you know, like, it's a not... In my personal opinion, it's a nonsense sentence and it shouldn't be in the constitution. It anchors back to a period of time when we were writing constitutions with the idea that a woman's duties were in the home and nowhere else. There's no, I mean, 
a feminist piece of literature would reference everyone having care responsibility. You know, like there's lots of different ways we could have done sure, that. Sure, there, there are fathers who could take umbrage with, with yeah, uh, the phraseology on the basis of it not recognising, uh, duly recognising a father's place and yeah, a father's so duties I, in the home either. That need, To my opinion, that needs to be gone and that's the beginning and the end of it. I think it's, I, as I said, I would have preferred there to be stronger wording to expand that concept of care, who gives care and recognition of that care. But I recognise, you know, and I've heard the reasons why that's not going in. That to me is not a reason for me. It's, you know, I wanted to go further. Therefore, I'm not going to vote yes. It's not how I'm going to proceed with this. I am going to vote in favour to t- um, yes, yes. And both of these. Are, are you clear on what a durable relationship is? I like to think I'm in a durable relationship. So I'll, uh, I'm not. Is that comes from a, like a, there's a European concept of this durable relationship. I don't know. It's, it's, it's not quite the same thing, but yeah. where there, there are there are precedents in European law that, that talk about uh, an enduring relationship. A, a, maybe some of us endure more than others. Um, but but from a, a durable position, um, it is it is about that idea of of robust, you know, having a certain duration, a certain length. But I think we also need to go back to the acts of the Oireachtas in more recent times. And that would be the likes of the Child and Family Relations Act, where we look at guardianship then can be applied for in, in terms of stepchildren after being two years as cohabitee. So I think those sort of things will give the mind it's, of it's the, the, this is This gets, the, this, the last couple of minutes conversation get to the, one of the core problems the government have on this though, which is that what on the face of it would seem to be a simple question, explain the meaning of this particular wording and this particular phrase that you're proposing to put into the constitution. Now, I know that sometimes constitutional wording can be ambiguous, perhaps deliberately or open to interpretation over a period of time. But like when you are asking someone to vote for something, you are going to be asked, what is a durable relationship? And I mean, can you give a 30 word explanation of it? The the a durable relationship is a relationship that shows some a a certain level of commitment that shows a, a, a certain longevity of time we cannot be specific it needs to be an elastic um, and, 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 and be able to be applied to the various permutations of relationship okay. that are out Burona there Murphy, you well, you know, or else we end I up I think the problem with that is that you could have a married couple uh, who get married within six months and God forbid one partner dies they are entitled to all of the benefits that go with marriage a durable, a durable relationship, I don't believe, will be seen as the same regardless of commitment. I think we saw the Supreme Court case the other day where the widower of a cohabiting couple has just received the widow's pension for the first time ever in the state without any change to the constitution. Well, that was, based, that was very, based not on the relationship, but, think, but, on, yeah. but on the treatment of the children. Yeah, uh, correct. But I think at the same time, it has to be understood what a durable relationship is. It's too vague. It's ambiguous. And we'll spend all our time in the courts arguing that point. But here's so, what, Jack, do you want to give us an outline of that case? Because uh, just... Yes, yeah, so this is a brief. Supreme Court the case, the Omari case. Omar, the judgment that came down in the last couple of days effect. Effectively, um, this man was in a, a relationship with the mother of his children who sadly passed away a couple of years ago and wasn't getting the, the widower's pension and went all the way to the Supreme Court on it. And I think the, in a 5-7 uh, decision uh, that the, the judges found that he was entitled to quashing the, the earlier High Court rulings. Um, now, what's interesting is, as Colin pointed out, that the five judges 
the majority uh, made the decision on the basis of equality legislation, not on the basis of a constitutional conception of the family. But we've seen another good example there of how this will be kind of rhetorically deputised during this uh, this referendum campaign because people will say, well, you know, the courts is kind of looking after this already. You know, is there really a need for for a constitutional referendum on something where you're getting the, the quote-unquote right decisions uh under the current constitutional framework, thanks to the work of the courts. And that's something that I think Mike McDowell and others have, have already said. So, you know, the government is clearly the view that they're, that this actually shows the need for the constitutional referendum. But in terms of the, the rough totting up that people do of the, the different rhetorical arguments that they're going to hear over the next six weeks or so, it may end up coming down to, to something that people, if you don't know, vote, vote no. And if it seems the, 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 um, the judicial system has it under wraps anyway, well then, you know, what's the point? in all this anyway is this just virtue signaling is this just you know being woke or than woke you know all these kind of things and these are charges that have been kind of leveled against the the wording and and the entire political enterprise of going after the referendum in the last few days all right if, if you're in the court and you hear the state say that your family is not a family uh, deserving of those constitutional protections because you don't fit into the very, very narrow definition thereof. You you all of a sudden, it becomes very stark and the Omara decision does not make a pave a way for every family to be recognised. The fact is if they're, and the, and, the, and the court was very clear about that. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't be relying on the Supreme Court to uh, find another way to arrive at a place of justice. Sure, but I suppose at, at the moment, Annie Howie, and the, Michael McDool's point is the government needs to be more specific in its proposals, precisely so somebody else further down the line, like Mr. O'Mara, isn't put to taking the definition of a durable relationship all the way to the Supreme Court in order to find out what their entitlements are. Yeah, and I think that while I appreciate that there needs to be that level of elasticity, as uh, Senator Sirikari says, that there is going to have to, you know, and there, I presume will be, as with every referendum, the explanation of what this... Like, it is unusual to have a referendum without kind of a heads of bill. You know, like when we did repeal mm-hmm. a marriage equality, we kind of knew what the legislature was going to look like on the other side of this. So I think the impetus is now on government to maybe do that piece of work between now and then to be able to explain to people before this piece of legislation, this referendum runs away from government. Like, I want to see a yes, yes. I want the, you know, I want this line gone for the constitution. I want all families recognised. But the government are going to have to make sure that people understand what's happening and there's going to be I think a bit of work have to be done between now and then. Verona Murphy can I just ask you the um, you said you hadn't made up your mind yet so in terms of the internal argument I suppose with yourself as you take consultations from constituents and other people who, who, are, who are lobbying on these various things your thoughts on the uh, support for a woman's duties in the home from the state and that would you have favoured deletion of that with no replacement? Are you happy enough to to leave it as it is? What's the the tension? What's what's uh, what's maybe making you think that well, you might be minded to vote no? Well, for a start, I am a single mother. I've always been a single mother. I'm not married. My daughter's thirty years old. I have never had an incident whereby I have been affected by the wording of the Constitution. I wouldn't regard myself as a a strong feminist. I do believe absolutely in equality. And on that basis, I I remain to be convinced that this wording change, article removed and, and replaced with family carers, that it's meaningful and that we are spending money in a way that is effective where I believe there are several changes could be made that would be far more meaningful in people's lives. 
And so for, I, I appreciate absolutely now where Mary is coming from and I'm not against and I'm not for at this point. I remain to be convinced of either. Right. We just need to do a, a, a very clear clarification. It's not a family carers referendum. No. It's the concept of care, the revision of care. The word carers doesn't appear in the wording for the referendum. This is about the provision of care and uh, within within the parameters of family. A but family, will, a family will go from being a unit. But it doesn't mention home. It's but removing that word home. Point. The fact of the matter is that care happens in, in the community. It happens in childcare settings. It happens uh, in... in um, disability care settings it happens in all of those settings and the trajectory you know to, to, there was an interdepartmental uh, and uh, group set up to review exactly the means testing that has been done since the budget uh, Heather Humphreys has initiated that there are things around family care that, that do need to be looked at. The HSE's attitude to family carers and the, the well, lack I'm of provision. Well, I'm more confused um, than ever. You know, as to, I, I think there's a wanton, you, you know, there, there's, a, there's wanting to be confused and then there's actual confusion. There is, the fact of the matter is that it is a provision of care. Care happens between parents and children, children to parents. We need to include care of the elderly, care of those with disabilities, um, but also care of children. That is the concept that is being enshrined. But does the wording does the wording of does the wording not only explicitly re- reference care within the family? Yes, it, it families who give care. Yes, right. But that is also to support the fact that the, 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 the minister today was very clear. It also is to support things like childcare, things like putting that impetus on the government to support the funding and to advance the case for care. But it doesn't confer any obligation on government to fund anything, does it? It's, it's not conferring an economic right uh, to the funding of care or it, anything else. It isn't conferring a, an economic right uh, as such. That said... We are on a trajectory of year on year. Come September this year, childcare will be funded to the fifty percent. That but that's will be elevated from the all of the time. But but I think Mary, it's to be under fair, the if, I, if I was listening to this debate, I would say that Mary is saying that the change is going to actually bestow some kind of a financial reward. In which case, people are asking, "What will it be?" And I'm not able to give an answer. Uh, Annie Hoy, I suppose there's a, there's a couple of questions on, on, on any changes to any kind of a family law. Let, let's go back to divorce in the 1980s. The, the thing that swung it in the end was the question over farmers and inheritance and, and, and land and those kind of things. So will there be any implications uh, for inheritance? Will there be a, any implications for um, reunification when it comes to, to, to immigration? They're the kind of questions that will be teased out uh, in the course of the referendum. Are, are you clear or have as your party taken legal advice at this point that has given you some insight into what the implications are? So we're still discussing our own stance on that and the executive will be meeting tomorrow and, and making our stance on that. But the, the, the soundings is that we will be, you know, we are party leader chaired the gender equality the joint Iraqis commission on gender equality that put forward proposals on this you know we're very clear that this line needs to be taken out of the constitution and we would as i said have preferred a broader concept we're very clear on what we want to see happening with families uh, lone parents all sorts of things like that we're very clear that we want those two things to be dealt with we would like for it to go further uh, but we're not going to let perfect be the enemy of good. You know, like, uh, that's my opinion. Right, but at this stage, you haven't drilled into what the implications of those areas are and you're still yes, yes. Well, we've, let me tell you, we've been drilling into the implications since uh, the wording was announced before Christmas. We've had many 
many meetings. People have had meetings up and down the country. This has been a, a hot, I will I will say this, this has been a hot topic between, it's been hotly debated between people within our own party and others, you know, between ourselves. What does this mean? What does this mean for people? Does this go far enough? Does this not go far enough? As I said, the decision will be made in the next few days as to our official stance. But we have been digging around in this uh, possibly longer than a number of parties because our party leader has been so okay. involved. For Ola in Murphy, will you be seeking legal advice on this? Oh, sorry, would, would, the, in, would the, the group you're a member of be, be looking for we definitive actually, legal advice We will this? first have a, uh, our first meeting on it tomorrow. But will you I, take a joint position on it, do you think? No, I don't think so because we are a technical group. We may, if we all agree and if we all believe the same. But I think from my own constituencies interaction at this point in time I believe it's going to be a no vote now that still doesn't convince me whether I should vote yes or no I don't actually know enough about it and I think the issue for people is if they're in doubt leave it out and I am not able to definitively tell them why they should vote yes or why they should vote no and I'm the politician so I mean I have a long way to go in understanding it and I appreciate Mary that you know what you've said tonight would give some sounding to somebody listening that doesn't know that there may be some form of financial recompense if this passes. That's not my understanding. It, what people seem to believe currently is that it'll be meaningless. And that will do no more than the provision that's there already, particularly when it comes to women in the home. And whilst you might like that removed as it may be offensive, the new provision does not bestow anything on people when they have needs and wants. Right. And Mary Siri, what, what there was the Nicolau judgment in, in 1968, which determined that... Uh, Unmarried fathers had had no guardianship rights uh, where, where, where it came to their children. Will removing the reference or will removing the reference to women's duties in the home, and I suppose the sort of implicit acknowledgement of uh, motherhood and the importance of it that's that's contained in that, and the redefinition of the family as being based on durable relationship, do anything to improve the lot of unmarried fathers? I think that the the definition of family being a much broader definition will will improve the lot of anyone that isn't in a married relationship. I mean, one of the there will have to be legislative changes that will flow from this uh, when this referendum is passed. For instance, the the definition of family home, which has a protection of the 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 spouse who isn't perhaps the owner of the house, that the house can't be just sold on, from under them. But that definition of family home is based on a marital family. The the definition in in the legislation is the place where a married couple reside. So if you're in a a long-term relationship, you don't have those same claims. You don't have any of those protections. The family home will have to change by definition because the definition of family in the Constitution... I just want to ask you quickly then... Thus advancing the protections on people. Is there a a contradiction then in... uh, the, the reference to, to marriage getting special protection, marriage on which the family is based getting special protection from attack in the constitution as it's currently uh, worded. Is there a contradiction between all durable relationships now being equal in effect to the protections afforded by marriage and the line in the new proposed wording that says the state will protect marriage from attack? What, what 
special status does marriage enjoy anymore after this referendum is passed? Well, well marriage isn't isn't eroded as a consequence of this of this referendum. What has happened is that we don't have a hierarchy. We have that other families are recognised in this context of the family rights, the rights of her children, the rights to make decisions, the rights of privacy, that, that one parent... And what about the obligations? The name, if, if a durable relationship homes. breaks down, are rights to maintenance then enjoyed by people leaving that if it's on an equal footing with marriage? Well, you're assuming that the right to maintenance happens even within marriages that break down and that isn't always the case. Uh, Senator Lin has been working on a, on a, a piece of legislation for the last number of years and I'm, I'm privileged to be part of that uh, to ensure that maintenance can be paid. So there, I think there are things that are happening and that are reality that we need to actually update the law for and to ensure that you know, that that uh, visitation, uh, uh, sorry, access orders is the word I'm looking for, um, maintenance, all of those things need to catch up with the lived reality of people's experience. We can't have that the Constitution doesn't reflect the actual reality on the ground of how people live their lives. So, yes, marriage is, is a, a, a recognised commitment that people make and it has certain... Um, certain privileges under the constitution but actually other families also need right. those rights and need do, do, those assurances. Do you take that point uh, Verona Murphy that you know your status as a single mother may not have been affected by the wording uh, of the constitution or you certainly didn't feel that um, in, in the 30 years uh, since, since becoming a, a single mother but in effect the constitution did not reflect the reality of 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 how you lived your life should the constitution be more resonant with people's lived realities than the 1937 wording was of course i accept that but i think unfortunately a lot of law doesn't reflect the reality of life particularly for instance when it comes to the disability sector i i didn't mean it that way that was just personally i am a single parent i'm just saying a lot of what i'm hearing from people and constituents is that it has never affected them and their opinion is if it's not fixed if it's not broken why fix it and and there's also a lot i'm getting a lot of how much is it costing what is the state spending and could that money in a time of such a high cost of living be better spent and i am particularly hearing it from people who have given up their careers to be family carers and are being means tested and particularly 70% of women who have to depend on their partners for an income. Okay, uh, It's a contradiction. I'm just going to go to a, a few listener texts uh, and you can you can jump in if, uh, if you feel you can answer these questions. I'm a single woman, late 40s, no kids. Does the new wording apply to me? Thanks, says uh, an anonymous text. Anyone want to take that one? It's, it, it does, does, does it does it change anything in, in that woman, Roman's reality? Not... I suppose it depends on what her need is and what her claim would be. Okay. All right. It, it is in the context of a relationship, a durable relationship. Okay. Uh, independent of law, people live the lives they want to live. Pretending the Constitution will prevent or invent new rights is bull, says another texter. Anybody want to take issue or uh, a comment on that? Goodness yeah. me, they may not have ended up in the High Court or Supreme Court taking a case uh, on constitutional law if that's the case. You know, and I'm not a constitutional lawyer, I don't work in it, but people have ended up Johnny O'Mara ended up in the Supreme Court yesterday over a constitutional law piece. You know, but I, I, plenty of people be, 
can find themselves taking cases because of constitutional law that but you know, I don't know that that's necessarily I'm true. I'm not sure that this will stop that. It may go a long way in some cases, but I think you're still going to see that. You're still going to see that, particularly as society develops. I, I suppose it's, it's it, you know, uh, on the face of the text, as short and all as it is, the Constitution confers rights that are, are texted and uh, that are tested in court and may or may not affect people's lives uh, and how they live them. Well, uh, one please, question I'm being asked. Just hang on, I just want to get, get to a final query. Oh, married couples enjoy specific rights with regard to revenue income and taxable income. Is that going to be transferred under the new... To durable relationships. Correct. And you see, that's what I'm being asked, but I don't have an answer because is a durable relationship to people so very much committed for six months, 12 months, two years, I don't know. Okay, and this kind of relates to that. Please ask the panel if there's any obligation to declare or register themselves in a relationship rather than expect government or other state organisations to adjudicate in the matter. matter. Thanks, uh, says a texter from Meath. I suppose that there will there will be emerging thresholds. I'm sure there will be as legislation because one of the things that have come out in the Shannon debate is the fact that perhaps it, it is unfair that married couples are conferred with a with a, a tax relief or particular benefits that cohabitees should. You know, is the decision to make that public commitment or be it based on faith, uh, a faith commitment where people do that for their relationships or those who choose not to, why should we be discriminating? So I, it may well be that there will be thresholds of when that that marriage type benefit clicks in from a from a relate for relationship purposes and to be claimed. You know that we we do those to, sorts of to, things to all the time. To be decided. Uh, Annie Hoy, the Child and Family Bill. Uh, just briefly before we leave this topic and go to the break and move on to the next uh, topic. What's in it? So we want to see. Um, we currently have a situation where a number of same sex families are not afforded. Uh, full parental rights, if you will. So our bill would address the gaps in the current legislation um, and it would ensure equality for children of LGBT parents, particularly in the area for children born to a known donor pre-2020, because the legislation changed around then, and then children born or conceived outside the state. So there are lots of families and they operate as families, they live as families, they are families, um, for whom only one parent is currently recognised as the legal parent. And I don't know, that certainly anyone I've spoken to creates a huge stress on their family because they operate, as I said, they operate as a family, they raise these children together. And if, you know, something was, heaven forbid, to happen one of these parents, particularly the legal parent, they're terrified of what would happen because the second parent currently has no legal relationship with those children. So our piece of legislation would fix that and would ensure that those parents, both parents, have that legal relationship with their child. They can live as their family unit with both parents recognised as equal parents. And would that affect the rights of, say, for example, one of the people in the relationship had been in a heterosexual relationship before leaving and uh, entering into a homosexual relationship and in their new household they were they had you know partial custody of the children and but there was also a biological parent living outside that household how would you square off the legal rights of the biological parent living outside that household with the remaining parent should one of the parents have died uh, in the new arrangement i'm not entirely sure i that someone has 
Sorry, I'm not entirely sure what the so example it, is. It, if, if if there was a couple who were a heterosexual couple and at some point in the relationship somebody came to the realisation that actually they weren't living the life that was true to themselves and went off and lived in a homosexual relationship and perhaps had custody of the child that they left and formed the new household with, would the biological parent who was it, who was not in the new relationship, what rights would they enjoy under your bill? So they... they it would be reasonable to say that the Labour Bill won't address exactly that. What the Labour Bill is to address very specific omissions from the Chi- Children and Family Relationships Act uh, of 2015. So in, in that, it, the, the particular lacuna in the law that's left affects same-sex female couples. Okay. So in in that instance, what, what a lot of, of female couples do is they do reciprocal IVF, for instance. So... Annie and I are in a relationship. Annie uh, carries the baby. Just to be clear, this is a hypothetical example. This is a hypothetical. We both have our, our respective other partners. But but let's say, for, for instance, in that Annie will carry the pregnancy, but it may be that I am the gamete, uh, I am the gamete donor. In other words, I give the egg. And so I am the biological mother of the child that Annie gives birth to. But Annie is the only person in Irish law that has the right to be recognised as the mother of that child if certain criteria apply. For instance, prior to the Child and Family Relations Act, prior to a lot of same-sex female couples uh, with known donors, they couldn't produce, they couldn't go through IVF in Ireland. They had to go abroad. Or if same-sex female couples had children abroad that were conceived prior to May 2020, then only one parent is recognised in Irish law. So one, one of the, the people affected by this, because I brought in examples just to make this uh, a little bit more clear, uh, a couple, Irish woman uh, lived in the US, married in the US. They had three children. Uh, all three children were born in the US. Both mothers are on the um, are on the birth certificate of, of the children. They came to Ireland to live in Ireland in a heterosexual relationship or an opposite sex couple and um, there would be no problem you'd register those children as be on the, the foreign birth register in the Department of Foreign Affairs and then those children would be entitled to an Irish passport but in in that instance only the children that were born to the Irish citizen parent mother uh, are entitled to that the uh, non the US citizen mother um, her children are not entitled okay. to Irish right. citizens. So there are anomalies here that are, uh, this, this are, the origins of this are the group Equality for Children, uh, LGBT Ireland and Irish Gay Dads are in principle behind this uh, and, and brought this bill to, to Avala. And, and, and I have part of the discussions okay. in, along that route. But this is an anomaly. It is my understanding that it is possibly going to be met with a timed amendment in the Dáil mm-hmm. because uh, Stephen, the Minister Donnelly is bringing forward amendments to address this lacuna at report stage of the AH. Okay, so it's but it's, it's going to be a, a few months down the road. We're, we're out of time on this, but Verona Murphy, do you want to make any comment on that well, before I we just, go to the my break? My firm belief is that no child should be disenfranchised because of a decision made by either politicians or their parents. And I, I, I haven't seen the bill in full, but I would certainly, that's my belief. All right, we're going to take a break. We're back after this. The Late Debate with Colm Mungan on RTE Radio 1.